the more time you sort of waste not implementing any piece of the conversational marketing strategy, you kind of miss out on the opportunity to talk to people who might become your actual customers. That's Sonia Jacob, the content strategy team lead at Drift. Sonia kicked off her career in marketing by blogging years ago. She quickly realized the power of content and decided to launch her own business as a copywriter and marketing freelancer. Over the years, Sonia helped create or lead marketing and content efforts for companies like HubSpot, Kissmetrics, Zenefits, and DocSend, and now heads up content strategy at Drift. What Sonia is talking about is the new shift towards conversational sales and marketing, the exact challenge that Drift is tackling. The buying habits of your customers have changed, no matter the industry you're in, and we'll see how fast-growing companies are using content and conversational interfaces to stay ahead of the competition. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share, and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Briano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Today we're speaking with Sonia Jacob, the content strategy team lead at Drift, the world's first conversational marketing platform. Sonia joins us to share her story, how she got into startups, her approach to creating valuable content, what conversational marketing is all about and how to get started, how B2B marketing is changing, and much more. So let's get started. Hey, Sonia. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler and I are super excited to have you on to get to learn you know, more about you and what you're up to. But before we dive into all that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? So I am Sonia Jacobs. I uh, work at Drift, where I am a content strategy team lead. I'm currently based out of our new San Francisco office, Drift's new San Francisco office. And so I'm originally from the East Coast, just like you guys. I grew up in the New York City area. And for college and grad school, I moved up to Boston, where I went to Brandeis University. And I studied sociology as an undergrad. And then for grad school, I did a double master's in sociology and gender studies. That's really cool. And so where did your passion for marketing and startups come from in all that? Ah, yeah, I know it's a, it's a bit of an unlikely combination, but I think, you know, to be honest, it really came from a fascination with people. I've always really been interested in trends and phenomenology and movements, whether they are happening like in the social space or if they're happening in business. So what's been compelling for me and, and motivating for me is really just watching how people interact with brands, how that changes over time. And marketing has been the domain where I can really express that. That's really cool. And so how did you start your career in marketing? Was it before school, during school, after school? How did that really, you know, come about? When I was in college, in my senior year of college, I actually started experimenting with blogging. And at the time, really nobody was blogging because this was a while ago. And so I got super into this idea of newsjacking, where I could write about something on my blog that I might have seen someone talk about on a message board and then drive a bunch of traffic to my blog as a result. And I started to find it incredibly fascinating how I could manipulate audiences in that way. And so that was really when I got my first taste of how powerful content could actually actually be. I'd always loved writing. It's something that I've done my entire life. And this kind of was at the intersection of both trends and phenomenology as well as writing. So it was really a happy marriage for me. And so that was my senior year of college. Despite that, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be an academic. I love sociology. I love trends and ideas and people. So I'm going to go to grad school. 
after I finished college, I decided to go to grad school and, you know, I was working on my master's degree thinking I'd go on and maybe get a PhD or something like that. When I realized I really didn't want to be just a theorist, I wanted to be a practitioner. I wanted to be out there with the people, um, you know, talking about these trends, digging into them in a much meatier way than someone who was sort of remote in an ivory tower of sorts. So after grad school, I had a marketing job at a nonprofit and it was interesting, but I really had this incredible itch to start my own company, start my own thing. And I'd been freelancing as a copywriter at that time off and on throughout school. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to build up a bit of a clientele while I still have my full-time job doing marketing at this nonprofit. And eventually I had so many clients that I was like, well, maybe it's time to finally make the foray into full-time consulting work. So I was like, just going to do it. I decided one day I'm going to do it. So I quit my job at the nonprofit and I started my own company called The Cultivated Word. And really all that I was doing at the time, because content really wasn't a category at that point, was copywriting and sort of leading clients into the digital world at that, at that point in time. Um, because a lot of people hadn't made that switch yet. So I started The Cultivated Word and it was about... I want to say six months after I started The Cultivated Word that one of my freelance clients, a company uh, based in Needham, Massachusetts, actually called Got Vmail, came to me and they said, we really want to rebrand because our name, it sucks. We hate it. So we're rebranding from Got Vmail to Grasshoppers. And this was like a virtual PBX. And so I was like, cool. Well, like, what are you going to do for the rebrand? And they were like, well, we really want to do a video. I was like, okay. And so we started to talk through it a bit more. And the kind of video they wanted was something that I always wanted to do. Something called kinetic typography. So basically, you have to kind of marry words, song, and visuals together to create this kinetic type video. So I told a story. And the story was about entrepreneurship and how you kind of have to believe in yourself to be an entrepreneur. And we used it for the rebranding for this company and turned it into Grasshopper. And so that was actually the start of my career because when we sent out the link to that video to 5,000 social media influencers, it blew up. And so, you know, view counts started to grow on the daily. Every day, you know, more and more people were watching it, more and more people were sharing it. And it kind of blew up my business because I had asked for my name in the YouTube credits. So everyone who was watching that video saw my name. And so they reached out to the Cultivated Word, my company, and, you know, they were asking for video projects, help with copywriting, content strategy, and it, it really built my business. So that was one of my earliest experiences in the space. And I did that for about four years. And then I went on to work at HubSpot. I was at HubSpot for a little while, and then I moved out to San Francisco. And in San Francisco, I've really had the opportunity to work in both product marketing and content marketing, content strategy. So I was at Kissmetrics and Zenefit, and I was leading marketing at a company called Doxen for a while, and, and now I'm right here at Drift. That's really cool. It's great to hear your transition from building a company and then entering into, you know, some of the larger and fast growing companies like HubSpot, Kissmetrics and Zenefits. So can you tell us a bit more about how you created your role as a marketer and the content creator shifted, if at all, from, you know, going through, you know, both your startup and these different companies? Great question. Yeah, I think, you know, making that transition between, you know, content creator to a manager is one that kind of happens throughout your career. I think there are definitely some content marketers who decide, I really don't love writing. 
as much as another content marketer might. And so that person sort of veers into, you know, content management, you know, really digging into getting the best work out of specific people. I've always been a bit of a hybrid. I love writing. I'm pretty passionate about writing. It's, you know, one of my primary vehicles of expression. And it's one of the things that I, one of the ways that I can add value to a company um, that I'm working for. So I would say that at the same time that I'm writing, I'm also managing, especially here at Drift. And a lot of startups, that's exactly the same because, you know, there's usually a lot of things that need to get done and not a lot of people to do them. So I would say that being a hybrid has allowed me to sort of switch seamlessly between the two because you have to have that strategic element to your content. You have to be thinking about what the broader narrative is at all points in time. So for me, the switch has really been shifting between that strategic element, which is like thinking about the the storyline, thinking about the phenomenon that you want to like dive into and tap into for your for your content. And then the writing piece is really the execution, you know? And so for me, I really loved being able to do both. And when I when I haven't done both in my career, that's when I feel like like something's missing, you know? Yeah, I think if it's like marketing, design or development, that shift to management is always tricky. And, you know, and a lot of people who end up going to the management role always want that piece of creativity back into their day to day life. So it's interesting to see how you're balancing that at Drift. Yeah. And as a follow up, I would say that one of the things that, you know, is kind of unexpected for me with management is how much I also get a lot of joy out of doing that, because there's really something unique about being able to activate your people, right? So, you know, when you have a direct report, I think the idea people traditionally have in their mind is, you know, I'm going to boss people around. But, you know, I think that that turns so many people off. And the thing that's worked for me best as a manager really has been finding a way to be collaborative while also maintaining, you know, that you know, manager and the person in the direct report relationship. That's been pretty pivotal to me. I've worked best supporting the managers who have that same collaborative style. And for the folks that I've managed, it seems like they do too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So how do you approach thinking about content marketing and what's your process like? Yeah, so I think that the way that I approach content in general is is kind of through a sociological lens, you know, if you will. Because I think writers in general, and a lot of content people that I've, I've talked to, have this element of their personality that's always observing the world around them. You know, and if you're in the business realm, you're observing what's happening in business. You're observing what's happening with the way that people buy. And I think that for me, my approach to content is really about preserving that sort of distance so I can observe at all times, but then really finding a way to tell a story that hooks into a broader narrative that everyone is thinking about. And whether that's in the case of Drift, you know, we're talking about this transformational shift in the way that people buy in the B2B space. Every time I'm thinking about my content, I'm like, okay, how do I ladder that back up to that narrative? How do I make this relevant to what people are experiencing on a daily basis? And so for me, the way that I approach content is like, how can I do a ton of research in a short period of time? How can I find the elements that will sort of support my approach? But what else is out there in terms of like dissonance? What other narratives are people saying about the same topic? And how can I include their opinions as well? So I think for me, it's definitely a lot of research analysis, but then also thinking about like, how do I make this relevant to the reader? Why are they going to care about this piece of writing? Like, how can I impact their life in a specific way? That's really cool. So what are some of the biggest lessons you learned during the fa- this phase of your career, especially when it comes to the evolution of B2B marketing over the same period? Yeah. Oh, I think that's a good question. Um, and I have a lot to say on that. So I think some of the things that I've noticed about 
the evolution of B2B marketing uh, in the past couple years is that for all the folks who are practicing B2B marketing and sales, there seems to be this massive disconnect in the way that modern people buy business software and how we intend to sell it to them. So there's this like inherent conflict, right, between buyers of the B2B software and sellers of the B2B software. And for a long time, I think, you know, and this has definitely come to light recently um, since joining Drift, you know, for a long time, we've made all of our prospects, buyers, you know, sort of jump through hoops, fill out a form, you know, sign up for this, give me your email now. And then they get dropped into the sort of impersonal nurturing campaign or they get harassed by a sales rep. It's either one of the two. And I think one way or the other, it misses this huge piece of the puzzle, which is that if someone comes to you and expresses interest, you must do your best to sort of capitalize on that inherent interest at that point in time. And I think what's happening is that we're seeing all these B2B buyers who are used to shopping online for basically their entire lives are saying, we don't want to shop the old school way. We don't want to buy business software the way that people bought business software five years ago, even. So I think we're, we're really starting to see all those traditional parts of B2B marketing start to get stripped away. And that's definitely something that we're passionate about Drift as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to hear that. And so we've already been talking about Drift a little bit throughout the episode, but can you tell us more about what Drift is all about? Absolutely. So Drift is the world's first conversational marketing platform. And really what that means is that we're trying to eliminate this friction-filled B2B buying process. I make it easier to connect with customers. And the way that we do that is with a few different features. So right now, the thing that a lot of people know us for is bots, chats, things of that nature. But really what we're doing there is we're making it possible for people to actually capitalize on the visitors to their website. So they can immediately jump in and start answering questions, see what people need, what they're asking for, and start that conversation. So we have that the chat element and the bot element, but we also launched Drift Email for Marketing, which takes that to the next level. And then in addition, we have sales sequences. And so the cool thing about Drift Email for Marketing is basically that you can actually talk to your customers wherever they you know, actually engage you. So if you send someone an email as a marketer and a prospect doesn't reply, but then you see that prospect go to your website, you can start a chat with them. And so it's smart enough to talk to each other about the different components. So that's what makes our conversational marketing platform so unique. There's that flexibility and that dynamic element that allows people to reach out to their prospects when it's the right time. That's awesome. And how did you create the opportunity to join the team there? Yeah, so I got the opportunity to join Drift for a variety of different reasons. You know, obviously, you know, carved out a bit of a, a niche for myself with with content and content marketing and strategy. And so that, you know, played a huge role. But the other piece of it, I have to say, has really been um, taking the right risks in my career. A few years ago, when I was launching and running The Cultivated Word, a lot of people said to me that it was kind of a ridiculous idea to quit my full-time job as someone in their 20s and go start my own company. But it actually turned out to be one of the most pivotal and most important decisions I ever made because it exposed me to all of these different entrepreneurs, all of these different companies, and I was able to do work that made an impact. And so that impact has lasted 
sort of from one opportunity to the next, whether that's HubSpot or Kissmetrics or Zenefits and now Drift. And so I had created a bit a bit of a name for myself with regard to content. And so when Drift was looking for someone to head up content strategy, a lot of the folks that are at Drift I had sort of worked with before. And so we knew each other and we were in kind of the same space and we're all kind of motivated by the same thing. And I think all of us saw the the massive potential for Drift. And I know I, I definitely did. And so it was really all about bringing that group back together and also leveraging some of those connections that I had made in the past to drive that forward. And I think, you know, if I'm talking to people who are sort of getting their start in marketing or they're not sure what next step to take, I would say take an educated risk. If you can be intelligent about those risks, I think sometimes, you know, that really pays off for people, especially if you can throw all of your passion behind it. You know, for me, I had many years ago the opportunity to work with David Cancel at Performable when um, he was a client of The Cultivated Word. And it was super beneficial to me uh, moving forward to have relationships like that, you know, whether it was Heat and Shot from Kissmetrics or David Cancel or anyone else that I'd worked with. Those relationships that you foster are incredibly impactful on your career. Yeah, I totally agree. And so you've talked about dropping the forms, avoiding the personal marketing funnels, and more. So how do other marketers and founders approach thinking or implementing a conversational marketing strategy? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think people have that question a lot. And we've definitely, in sort of taking this to market, taking conversational marketing to the marketplace, we've had that question from people. And I think one of the biggest myths is that there's a right time to start conversational marketing. In reality, I mean, if you ask any marketer, if there's a right time to do anything, they're probably going to tell you no. And that's because there's always something happening. There's always something that you know is occupying their attention. And the more time you sort of waste not implementing any piece of the conversational marketing strategy, you kind of miss out on the opportunity to talk to people who might become your actual customers. So one of the things that we are you know constantly preaching is just testing. If you want to try conversational marketing, but you're not so sure how it actually works, we really just recommend throwing chat up into a specific page on your site, preferably one with high intent, like a pricing page, and see what happens. Start initiating those conversations with people who land on your pricing page and see what they're looking for. Look at the questions that they're asking, and then you can figure out your next step with conversational marketing. But that's a really like low barrier to entry. If people want to jump in there and get closer to their customers, the easiest way to do that is to just flip the switch with Drift, try chat on at least one page. Most people see an ROI pretty quickly on that. And then they can slowly add that to other pages on their website. Yeah, I completely agree about just diving in with small tests, seeing how it goes and then scaling it from there. And so you mentioned earlier in the show that you're actually based in San Francisco at the new Drift office. And you guys just had a conversational marketing week and the Hypergrowth conference is coming up later this fall. So I guess, what's it like trying to get the message about conversational marketing out there? How do you guys approach doing that? Yeah, totally. Um, I think with Drift, you know, there's there's so many great opportunities to get that message out there. Um, I think what people, um, I think one of the biggest things, to be honest with you, is at Drift, we have a team of people who want Drift to do well. So it's not just the marketing team's responsibility to share the product, talk about the product, push the product out there and get people using it. So one of the things I really admire about Drift and, and you know, my team in general, the, the whole company, is that people are willing to step up and spread the word. So that makes a marketer's job a, a lot easier. A couple of weeks ago, we basically took over LinkedIn by sharing videos after we launched uh, Drift Email for Marketing. And it was one of the biggest traffic drivers for us of all time. And so 
I think, you know, my advice to marketers is like, if you're looking for an opportunity, look for the opportunity to work with people who are as passionate about not just marketing, but the product as as humanly possible. Because your job as a marketer is to activate audiences and refine that message. But it helps so much if you have a team of passionate people who are willing to jump in and help drive that forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. And so just building off that and all the excitement that you guys have built so far in just this first quarter of 2018, what's next for the rest of the year? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot in store. Um, I think one of the coolest things about Drift is that we always have something going on. So every single month we release something new. And uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, we have something really awesome that we're launching for sales teams. I can give you that much information. And I can also say that it's definitely something around the idea of conversational sales as well. And so the cool thing is that when you are going to market with something fresh every single month, month in, month out, you can really become a better marketer and rapidly too. So there's lots happening with Drift. You know, if people don't you know know about it, we do it a new release every single month. And so they have to stay tuned to this Tuesday because we're dropping something big. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the cool things that come out of Drift this year. So do you have any recommendations on great content that you come across lately? Ooh, there are lots of different pieces of content. I'm I'm the worst because I'm a huge fan of the stuff that we're doing. But I will say that there's a lot of different examples. Content types that really inspire me right now include video. LinkedIn is really inspiring me. And I'll talk about why in a second. And I also think something that is a bit of an offshoot from Drift, but certainly not something we invented. That's conversational copy and conversational content. So for a long time, I think most content marketers have been sort of corporate sounding. You know, if you write for the blog, you kind of have to sound buttoned up polished, you know, and I think that's worked for a while, but we're seeing sort of this transformation happening with content. And that's where the human interaction, the human connection comes in, where people want to feel like they're actually talking to another human being. And so I've seen the shift with content where blog posts that feel corporate don't really connect with people. Nobody really engages with them in the way that they're engaging with the kind of content that we're putting out at Drift, that Sales Hacker is putting out. Huge fan of Gaetano Donardi over at Sales Hacker. Shout out to Gaetano. He is incredibly irreverent, conversational. This is the stuff that people respond to. A couple months back, you probably saw the uh, sort of people were calling it broetry, but it was more like a conversational tone on LinkedIn. Everybody seemed to be doing it. People are still doing it. I wouldn't call it broetry. I would say that this is actually conversational marketing in action. People are seeing the value and the impact of talking like a real human. And I think that that's a massive shift as far as content creation goes. So I tell people to like embrace that. You know, you don't have to sound like you're on a corporate blog right from the first person. You have an opinion, share it. The, the safe content, the content that is sort of too polished really doesn't engage people anymore because it doesn't cut through the clutter. In addition to that, I would say the biggest thing is video. If you can do video, just jump right in. I think there's less of an oper- there's less of a filter there between the viewer and the maker of the video, which is amazing for connecting with new audiences. And I think the thing is, it doesn't have to be super, super polished. You can shoot a video with your iPhone and it will suffice because people are not looking for video that's super high production value. They're looking for a human to talk to them about whatever they're passionate about. And I think that those are the content types that I'm really excited about in 2018 and and beyond. So I think if people can double down on those things and really experiment with them and cut through the clutter, it's hugely beneficial for any brand, any business. Yeah, there's lots of great advice and ideas in there. 
And you also mentioned LinkedIn, or was that the point around video as well, since I know that's been blowing up on the platform over the last six months or so? Yeah, I think one of the things that's super cool that we've seen a lot of return on is just native content on LinkedIn. All that means is like, just create some content for LinkedIn. Don't go sharing a link on LinkedIn, uh, hoping for people to you know jump back to your site. Sure, that might have a time and a place where it's useful, but what we're seeing right now is that native content is awesome. People are engaging with it. LinkedIn is providing more analytics about view count and who's watching it. And I think that's, you know, for this point in time, incredibly impactful for any marketer who's looking to mix things up a bit with content. Yeah, I completely agree. And so we've talked about a ton of things throughout the course of this episode. Do you have any last thoughts or words of advice to leave us with? I would say for, for founders, I think there's a couple things. So content, you know, is absolutely a growth driver, but I think you know, content that plays it safe or feels corporate or too buttoned up is really not the direction you want to go in with your content. Um, and for content creators, you know, my advice is, is somewhat similar. Playing it safe with content actually really doesn't get you anywhere because no one cares about it, ultimately. And you end up creating sort of the same sort of rehash topics over and over again that already exist out there on the internet. And when you're thinking about how saturated so many markets can be, content represents this opportunity for you to actually cut through that clutter and actually, you know, win an audience, build an audience on authentic content that's engaging and conversational versus just sort of rehashing the same parroted topics that everyone covers uh, out there. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. And so just as final shout outs or special announcements, are there any special plugs you'd like to toss out there? Yeah, I think the things that I just want to let people know about would be coming up April 3rd, we have our big news dropping combined with Conversational Sales Week, which I'm super excited about. We also have a, an all new show that I'm producing that will be live at the end of April. And I think people are going to really like the format. It's, uh, it's pretty fresh pretty unusual. And then lastly, I just would, you know, totally plug Hypergrowth. You know, we have that coming up. So if you haven't gotten tickets to Hypergrowth, just hit us up. You can hit me up, Sonia, uh, on Twitter, and we will make that happen. Awesome, Sonia. Really appreciate having you on the show and getting the opportunity to talk conversational marketing and content with you. Thanks again for being on. Absolutely. It was totally my pleasure. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share it with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at hack to start or drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com. You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. <laughs>